If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 222 of the Leading Learning Podcast, in which Salisa and I talk about six trends set to impact learning businesses in 2020 and beyond. Namely, learning experience design, sustainability for conferences, pathways, 5G and quantum computing, the move to marketing maturity, and artificial intelligence. You'll get a bit more on each of these six trends in just a minute, but we want to let you know that we're taking our own advice, practicing what we preach, and doing a little repurposing of content. The discussion of the six trends that you're about to hear is the audio from a webinar, which we also streamed using Facebook Live at the end of December. And we thought podcast listeners would benefit from hearing about the six trends. Indeed we did. And we also think you would benefit from an infographic we put together to highlight what learning businesses told us at the end of 2018 were their six most important focus areas for 2019. To develop the infographic, we reached out to a small but diverse group of practitioners, experts, and service providers working in the learning business to get their perspectives. And this resulted in a list of 15 areas that we asked about in a broadly distributed online survey to which more than 200 organizations responded. The six trends we highlight from that survey are still relevant, and several of them actually tie into the six we talk about for 2020. We'll link to the infographic in the show notes to this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 222. And by following that link, you'll also have the opportunity to download the summary data on the full list of 15 trends in the survey. And when you visit the show notes, you'll also find the reflection questions that go with this episode. And those are, first, which of the six trends that we discuss for 2020 are most relevant for and most likely to impact your learning business? And second, are you prepared for their impact and to capitalize on those most relevant to you trends? How might you better prepare? And now, without further ado, let's dig into the six learning business trends for 2020. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb, and thanks for joining us today for our take on 2020 uh, learning business trends. And if you've been to our previous webinars, you'll notice we're doing this one a bit differently. Uh, We don't have any uh, slides prepared. It's going to be the two of us uh, talking here, and hopefully you talking too, some in the chat and and engaging. We do want to hear from you throughout to comment on what we say, Um, and we'll also uh, hopefully have some discussion around uh, ideas from the chat towards the end of the session today. It's also a shorter session than we usually do. We typically do uh, hour-long webinars. Uh, This one we're thinking is going to be about 30 minutes, but uh, again, a lot will depend on how much you have to add, how much you have to share. So we'll kind of play it by ear. We might wrap up a little bit early. We might go a little bit longer if there's good discussion going on. So we're going to talk about uh, trends today, and we'll we'll say at the very beginning that uh, we're not going to talk about some of the things that have been usual suspects in in, in recent years, things like... uh, 
microlearning and digital badging and personalization. Um, those all continue to be trends, but we've talked about them quite a bit. A lot of other people have talked about them. We think they'll continue to mature in the next year. Uh, hopefully we'll um, continue to see better definitions, maybe the emergence of uh, some standards, um, some, some real practices around those. But we're going to, those will pop up. They'll pop up in, in our trends today, but we're not going to focus on those specifically as trends. What we're going to do is each take uh, three trends that we're seeing right now, just based on our experience, what we're hearing from people, what we're seeing out there, kind of trade back and forth on those for um, the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, and again, we'd like for you to, to comment uh, all along the way if you're hearing things that resonate uh, with you, if you're doing any of these things or, or pursuing any of these things. And uh, again, this is much less formal than usual, so we're going to be referring to notes and you know, stumbling and bumbling some along the way. That's just the, the nature of going live. Oh, and I'll mention too, we are actually live on Facebook uh, right now as well. So hello to anybody who actually is watching their live right now or who happens to be watching later. And we'll be sure to post a link to that as well as to this, uh, this Zoom video for folks to be able to access afterwards. So, And also mention, if you are going to share in the chat, make sure to check uh, everyone so that all panelists yeah. and attendees are what you see selected in the, the chat window. That will make sure that not only do Jeff and I get to see whatever you're um, asking or sharing, but that anybody else who's uh, paying attention to that chat window here in Zoom, we'll be able to see your thoughts. And might have something valuable to share with you, so definitely take advantage of that. So the first trend uh, we're gonna highlight out of the six we'll do here is learning experience design. And um, this is one that's not a, not a new trend. You've probably heard this term before, um, uh, but we feel like it's becoming much more of a thing now, particularly with learning businesses and the types of organizations that we tend to work with and that tend to be on this type of webinar that we're holding. And in general, the word experience is big right now. We're hearing about you know customer experience and marketing. Uh, we've heard about um, user experience for a long time in the world of, of web design. So this is this is really picking up on that um, from those disciplines and and focusing in on the experience of the the person who is doing. The learning and there are a couple things going on here. One is just the growing recognition that uh, you know some of our traditional approaches to the education that can be kind of codified and formalized into courses and classes. Those aren't those aren't how we've ever really learned, and they're certainly not how we learn now. So, how do we get more into the flow of life, the flow of work, the actual experience of the learner, and blend that learning experience into what they're doing in life? So that's that's one take on it. And then I think there's also sort of a, a critique in there of traditional instructional design, um, which has tended to be you know very focused on methodology. Um, and, and sometimes uh, too focused on, on methodology, getting a little too strict about you know checking the boxes, going through the, the steps. So this is again focusing more on the human being, the learner, rather than on the the instructional uh, methods. Um, and it's also very goal oriented because very often um, instructional design again is, is about checking those boxes. Doesn't necessarily keep in mind that larger experience that the learner is engaged in. And you know all of this jives very well with our view that uh, learning is definitely a, a, an ongoing process. It's not a single event um, and we need to stop treating it like that. And that's kind of at the heart of learning experience design. Well, Jeff, and I've heard you too say that it's, it's basically a mindset, a mindset uh, sh shift, yeah, right? Like yeah. that you kind of have to rethink and really um, put that learner front and center rather than the, the methodology or the process. And, and we also know how powerful um, mindset is. And so mm -hmm. shifting mindset can really change things quite a lot. And often not easy to do. There's, I think probably that's everybody right. here recognizes Okay, so learner experience design, that's the first trend that we wanted to touch on. The second trend is around 
sustainability and conferences. And in 2020, the environmental impact of conferences, particularly big uh, place-based conferences, is going to become a more common concern. We're already hearing talk about um, eco-friendly and green and more sustainable uh, uh, events. And I, I think in the year ahead and beyond, um, more organizations are going to continue thinking or begin thinking really hard about what steps they need to take to make sure that their uh, events are more sustainable. It might be things like, uh, you know, eliminating use of, of plastic water bottles, but it might also, um, you know, be things like choosing a, a LEED certified venue. But there are some environmental impacts of, of big conferences that are hard to mitigate. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have heard of Fliegsham. And I'm maybe, sure everybody's heard of that. <laughs> um, pardon my pronunciation because I probably did not get that right. But it's, it's this Swedish word um, that's been coined to describe the guilt that some people feel when they have to travel. They, you know, they know that air travel... Um, produces a lot of CO2 emissions. And so uh, they feel guilty about that. And a lot of people are looking for different approaches and, and different ways to, to travel because of that. And that's why you know, the, we have the, the, the great uh, Greta Thunberg, the, the Swedish climate activist, you know, and she sailed to and from the US uh, this year. And that's because she didn't want to contribute those uh, CO2 emissions to mm-hmm. Walking, walking the walk. Walking the walk. Sailing the sail. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And so, you know, we have Fliegsham and we have flight shaming, which could maybe sound a little bit flippant. So I don't want to sound too flippant because I really do believe that climate change is a serious issue. Just last month, the United Nations released their latest uh, emissions gap report, which paints a pretty dire picture if we don't change behavior. And of course, one of those behaviors that we could change is um, eliminating or reducing our use of air travel. And so because of that, um, I think we're going to see a growth in virtual events and virtual conferences in 2020 and beyond. Because of course, the easiest way to mitigate the, the negative environmental impacts of flying is to not fly. But so many big conferences, particularly those with national or international audiences, basically have flying baked in. But if you go virtual, you can Mm -hmm. eliminate that impact. And to go along with that, too, then virtual also has the benefit of um, helping your organization potentially broaden its reach. Um, We know that historically so many organizations only reach a a fraction of their audience, a fraction of their membership with whatever annual place-based event they might have. And so by going virtual, um, you can potentially reach more of your audience, just make that event available to people who would never have the budget or um, the the sort of family situation that might let mm. them leave for several days at a time. And so going virtual allows you to tap into that and to do so in a more environmentally friendly and sustainable way. So you heard it here first that uh, Swedish guilt uh, is trending along with sailing to meetings. So uh, we expect uh, both of those to be big. Uh, and we'll note that uh, we currently are not suffering from fleas, um, if I'm butchering it, but uh, because we do, in fact, hold our own event virtually, uh, Learning Technology Design, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about later coming up in February, is a virtual conference. Um, we do have a couple of comments that have come in. Uh, I'll, I'll note before I give my next one here. Uh, Tobin has asked how we see uh, LX. Um, and, and LX, John has asked about what is that? LX means learning experience. So LX design, learning experience design, how does that fit in 
with an organization's overarching efforts involving CX, which is customer experience writ large. Um, it seems like the two would support one another. Um, yes, absolutely. We didn't quite connect those dots when we were talking about it, but uh, this talk, you know, your your learner is your customer for, for people who are on this webinar for the most part. Um, so, you know, making learning your experience design really is fully part of customer experience design and it's part of the overall experience with your business. If your learning business is part of a larger organization like an association, it's all, all part of that. Um, um, Isan has asked, do we have data around the carbon footprint of online conferences versus in person? We don't have it at our fingertips right now, but there is data out there about it. And maybe we can find some and, and post it in the follow-up to this. Um, but it's definitely out there. If you Google that, you will you will find that. And uh, no, as far as I know, Tobin, there's not a 12-step program for Fleekscom. But uh, maybe we need to develop that. I don't, I don't know. So let's move on to the, uh, the third trend here. And um, this is what uh, we're just calling pathways, um, basically. And... Um, you know, there's always been a lot of uh, uh, desire by organizations to create um, learning paths within, say, their learning management system so they can kind of connect the dots together. We're talking kind of bigger than that. This goes back to, it connects to the whole learner experience thing. And it's the, the recognition that, you know, the world of work changes out there, life changes out there um, very quickly now. Um, often it's not helpful to, to access, a, you know, a big catalog of courses. You need to know what you need to do, what path you need to take in learning uh, in order to be able to take the path that you want to take in your career and in your life. And we're, we're hearing more and more organizations that are focusing on this. You know, how do they really not just create courses, not even just connect courses together, but really articulate the vision uh, for the path in the particular field or pr pr profession that they serve for different parts, different phases and different stages of careers. In fact, I've got a description here from the NIGP, um, the Institute for um, Governmental uh, purchasing um, uh, public procurement um, that uh, they've got a new pathways program and they describe it as competency-based learning and credentialing pathways that can be personalized and customized for every phase and every stage of your working life and public procurement. And if I, if I were a procurement professional, that would sound awfully good um, to me. And we're, we're expecting to see more and more of that. Um, we will actually have um, Veronica Diaz talking about what Educause is doing with um, career pathways uh, at uh, LTD. Um, this year as well. So we expect to see a, a lot more focus on pathways in, in the coming year. And thanks, Jennifer, for sharing. She, she says that she's seen some recent research um, that Gen Y and Gen Z see their careers as journeys, mm -hmm. um, not as a linear yeah. Uh, um, yeah. process or, or pathway, and that that's very different compared to how Gen X and boomers tend to see things. So thanks for contributing that. Yep. So uh, for the fourth trend, uh, I want to touch on um, two emerging technologies, uh, quantum, quantum computing and 5G. Um, earlier this year, uh, Google's quantum computer uh, solves an equation in 200 seconds that Summit, uh, the world's fastest traditional uh, supercomputer, said it could solve in 10,000 years. So 200 seconds versus 10,000 years. I mean, that's absolutely astonishing. Yeah, right. Can't even compute that really, <laughs> right. so to speak. No. <laughs> and so, you know, I think it's going to be amazing to see what happens when we have that kind of rapid processing power um, very widely and, and readily available. And then um, in 2020, I think we're also going to be a be we're going to begin to be able to use 5G. And 5G is the uh, next generation uh, wireless network technology. It's um, meant to be much faster than than what we have access to currently, faster than 4G by maybe 50 to 100 times, faster than the broadband that we can access as consumers in our homes today. Mm -hmm. 
But not only is it faster, it's also supposed to have less latency built in. So that means we're going to get faster responses to our requests. And it also is going to expand capacity because it's going to tap into other spectrum like uh, like the, the millimeter wave. And so we're going to have um, faster access um, and more readily available and more consistent. So even as we're walking or driving around with our mobile devices, um, that access is going to be smooth across the entire um, process. Now, quantum computing and, and 5G, you know, I, I don't actually find them all that interesting in and of themselves. I don't honestly understand the technology behind them all that well. You know, like we're saying, just the whole idea of a calculation that takes 10,000 years to solve just doesn't even really make sense yeah, yeah. to me. I just want it to work. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so what I find uh, interesting about these um, two emerging technologies is what they will enable. You know, we have quantum computing and we have 5G. They are technologies, they are tools, they are means to ends. But once we have the, the power and the ubiquity and the speed of quantum computing and, uh, and 5G readily available, I mean, just think about what we're going to be able to do in terms of really making use of big data, um, what it's going to make uh, possible with the Internet of Things and, and self-driving cars, things that really require that that real-time data from, from sensors, all that's going to become much more viable. And all that's going to impact then how we work and how mm -hmm. we live. And of course, anytime how we work and how we live changes, then how we learn and what we need to learn changes too. So I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, over the years ahead um, what learning businesses do to harness quantum computing and 5G and how they impact what we deliver. Yeah, yeah. And I don't... You know, I don't claim to be an expert in this at all, but I understand that uh, the availability of 5G could have a big impact on, um, on virtual reality and the ability to, to use um, virtual reality both to create and deliver it, but then probably more importantly for the, the end user to really have the kind of experiences that we, that we hope to have out of virtual reality. And you know, at that point, it starts to become um, so many learning businesses are already interested in what they're going to be able to do with virtual reality, um, haven't, haven't really latched onto it yet. I think uh, things will start to shift um, with, uh, with 5G in particular and, and quantum computing. Those both make a huge difference. Um, before I jump to the next one, I will note in the chat here that Misan has said that, um, that they are reorganizing their entire catalog around pathways, um, specifically around the UN's 17 sustainable development goals. Excellent. Um, specifically as it relates to what architects, designers, can do to support um, these goals in their practices. Uh, so that that's fantastic. And I know we have some folks who are interested in the SDGs there, the uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and Nissan is, is uh, happy to, to, to share about that. And Tobin is asking if there are any downsides that we see to quantum computing and, uh, and e.g. security risk. Are there any security risk with it? Um, I'm sure absolutely that yeah. there are. You know, <laughs> there are always downsides. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are going to be downsides. I mean, I think there are going to be security risks just as there are with current technologies. But, um, you know, I don't have a lot of specifics to share about specific, uh, you know, concerns. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, yes, there will be drawbacks. Um, I also think, too, with, with 5G right now, you know, it's still much more of a promise than a reality. And that's what we're thinking will begin to tip some in, in 2020. But it's like until you really have the, the much broader um, availability of it, 
it doesn't really matter much. And then, of course, once it is more broadly available, then yes, there will be probably increased uh, security uh, mm-hmm. risks and downsides to it. But again, I think that's true of, of right. technology today as well. Right. We, are, we are not quantum computing or 5G experts, even though we're playing them on Zoom right now. Um, <laughs> so do your research, definitely. But uh, <clears throat> Misan also comments that the, the VR, the virtual reality comment around um, 5G uh, quantum com- computing uh, reminds him that you can now attend conferences in uh, VR, and he says, "Alt VR app, um, and play play it uh, playing within the um, the Oculus Quest uh, software is very powerful." So yeah, you know, I mean, we, we talked about this in our in our last learning technology design, and we had uh, somebody from AICPA, the uh, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, talk about what they're doing with virtual reality. It's it's really much more approachable and within reach than people think it is right now. Um, and this is just going to make it. It's going to help make that quantum leap. I think so. To yeah. speak, yeah. right so there we go. Um, all right, so let's talk about the um, the fifth uh, item that uh, we have for, for this session. And um, we're characterizing this as a movement towards uh, marketing maturity. And, um, and, you know, we always talk about marketing a lot. It's one of our sort of main things to help uh, learning businesses be able to market themselves effectively from strategy on up. Um, but we feel like we're now really starting to hear uh, more organizations both talk about it and take action around, you know, better understanding their market and figuring out new ways to engage with their market more effectively from the promotional techniques to their pricing. Um, and you know, there are at least a couple of uh, drivers here. One, of course, is it, it is getting more competitive out there day by day, more people entering the, the whole learning business. The barriers are down for doing that. We've talked about that for years. Um, and then also the, the, the fragmentation of the channels for uh, reaching your, your customers. You can't just you know, print the mailer and send it out or do the email blast these days and expect that to get the results for you. You have to be able to reach your uh, learners in multiple channels. It kind of connects back to that customer experience and learner experience design as well. You know, how are you designing your marketing engagements in ways that you really are meeting your learners where they are and engaging them in different ways at the right times to pull them in? And so um, we generally talk about kind of five um, key components, uh, pillars, uh, around marketing. These are all areas where we expect to see further uh, development, some more than others in the coming year. Um, acquiring and leveraging meaningful data, that'll be one of the biggest ones. Um, that applies to, to learning and the design of learning, but it, it applies to understanding your market in general and being able to market effectively. So uh, organizations really have to be able to do that. Brand is going to be increasingly important. We've talked about this before. Um, it's getting harder and harder to be found on just generic searches around, say, a, a topic or uh, a training need. And Google, it's much more effective if somebody is going to search for you, for your organization by name. So you don't want them to be typing in, I need you know, uh, training on X or continuing medical education on X. You want them to say, I want this learning business. I want th- this organization's uh, learning or the, the brand of that learning line, you know, even brand your learning products is, is becoming increasingly important. So a focus on brand is going to be very important in 2020. Having an omni-channel approach uh, to the extent that you know it already and getting much more sophisticated about it if you do. And this means that, yes, you, know, you need to have email as a marketing channel. That, that's not going to go away. That's still effective. But it's not as effective. It's harder and harder to get into the inbox and get people to click. Um, you need to make sure you know how to leverage search well, what's working, what's not with search. You need to make sure you understand how to leverage social media well. You need to understand things like using messengers, using chatbots, uh, using push notifications on websites, all of this stuff. You need to have this portfolio of approaches to be able to reach your learners and, and pull them in. Um, along with that content marketing, um, you know, I think our feeling is that 
so learning businesses in general have tended to lag behind on, on content marketing because they're so focused on the content that people actually register for, pay for, but you got to provide that value up front to get them there in the first place to hook them. And, and, and that goes back to that customer experience, that, that customer journey, learner experience, learner journey, you know, before they're paying, before they're enrolling, you're engaging with them as learners and providing that value and, and doing that, you know, even better um, going forward. And then copywriting, which has always been sort of an Achilles heel, uh, I think for so many learning businesses, you know, you send out those email blasts, you know, you put together those conference flyers, but the, the, the copy that's written for it, you know, just, just isn't, hooking people and pulling them in. So those five pillars, uh, uh, acquiring and leveraging a meaningful data brand, the omni-channel approach, content marketing, effective copywriting, uh, all of those focusing on them towards marketing uh, maturity in uh, 2020. Well, and I just was at a, a, a UPCEA um, mm-hmm. uh, event in, in New Orleans, um, and uh, it's a university professional continuing education association, but it was all about marketing yeah. um, and the, the level of sophistication yeah, around they're, both they're doing, yeah. the tools they're using and um, the just the uh, analytics that they're doing both on uh, social media and, uh, and posts. It was really um, inspiring in some ways around um, the, the level of sophistication there. And then I'll just make one other comment too around your sort of, you mentioned that uh, content marketing, you know, can, maybe be something that the learning businesses haven't focused uh, on that much. But of course the irony there is that they have great resources for content marketing because we do have all of that, that learning content that we've put all the time and effort into. So carving out bits and pieces of that and making it available as content marketing can be really effective. Definitely. And I'll mention too, that we have uh, Tony Paley, who's the chief revenue officer for AIM uh, Imaging Association, talking about essentially conversion rate optimization at upcoming LTD, we'll have other sessions that, that, that talk about marketing. So for those who are looking to learn, um, and uh, um, yeah, so uh, you know, plenty out there to, to help you with that. And um, I'll, I'll note too that we've seen a couple of um, questions come in about uh, more information and some resources about pathways. Um, we uh, we can certainly include some of that in the follow up materials. Yeah. You know, just as uh, we'll, so if there are certain questions and we can provide some links to some examples, for example. Yeah, we'll link to the NIGP pathways, for example. Me, San, if you have a link that we can share, we'll, we'll share that. Uh, uh, we'll share um, if, if Educause, uh, Veronica Diaz, if they have anything they can share, we'll get that up there. And so the sixth and final trend that we wanted to touch on today is artificial intelligence. And AI is, of course, a bit predictable, perhaps, as a, a trend for 2020, but we also felt like we couldn't not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially because um, in light of what I talked about as the fourth trend that, you know, with quantum computing and 5G, I think a big part of what they will enable is artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, quantum computing coupled with the artificial intelligence is going to make it possible to finally, truly, really deliver on personalized learning. That's another one of those things yeah, we said we weren't going to exactly talk about, but we said it might come up. It always slips in. There's a learner experience. So, you know, we're going to be able to, with much more accuracy and better than ever before, match learners and prospective customers with uh, our offerings and help them make use of them in the ways that are most beneficial to their particular situation and their particular needs. Um, Artificial intelligence is also going to help us to much more accurately and predictively um, look at the job market. So what what jobs and professions will wane, what new uh, jobs and professions might evolve, uh, where are we going to see growth? And then I'll mention, of course, too, that 
you know, AI, we're talking about it as a trend, but it really is already here. It's really something we're already soaking in. It's, it's built into so many of the services and tools that we already use. You know, think about a, a Google search. You just type in the first few letters and it's auto-filling for you and suggesting search terms. If you use Gmail um, and, you know, you're re- responding to a message, it'll give you some pre-scripted um, answers to, to choose from. I mean, so that, those are just a few quick, simple examples of how AI is already um, baked into to what we're doing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to continue to grow in 2020 and beyond. Um, and as it grows, it really has the potential to impact pretty much every dimension and aspect of what a learning yeah. business does. It's going to impact how we understand our market, how we go about market assessment and market research. It's going to change how we develop and design uh, learning experiences. The tools that we use for developing those are going to have more and more AI baked into them. Uh, As we mentioned with personalized learning, it's going to help us match up learners with the appropriate offerings and help them use them in the most uh, uh, meaningful ways for them. And it's going to help us see impact and outcomes because mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at some of that data after learners leave whatever learning experience we're providing and how they go back and apply it and being able to see more of that. So I think AI, AI will have a tremendous impact uh, in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, so it's going to keep, keep changing the world, which means it keeps changing work, keep changing, changing life, which is going to change what we need to be able to, to teach, to provide as, as learning, as you noted. So keeping an, uh, uh, an eye on it is extremely, extremely important. So so those are the, the six that we wanted to put out there, um, the learning experience design, conference sustainability, uh, pathways, uh, the 5G and quantum computing, marketing maturity, and then you know AI as it's trending right now. It's been trending for a while, but how it's going to continue to trend in 2020. So we'd love to hear you know, if, there, if there are other things that are on your mind that you're really going to be focused on in 2020. Please share those in the chat right now um, and make sure you are selecting, you know, not, not just panelists, but everybody um, so that uh, uh, we can have some conversation around that. Um, and, and also, if you have further comments about anything that, um, that we've raised here or questions about any of it. And as we're uh, waiting for, for that, um, we've mentioned uh, a few times here and there throughout uh, Learning Technology Design, LTD, our annual virtual conference that is coming up. In February, February 25th, 27th, registration is open right now. You can just go to ltd.leadinglearning.com. Right now, it's uh, possible to get uh, $50 off an individual registration or $100 off of uh, organizational registration. Um, if you're watching right now, that's available. If you're watching this live right now, that's available and it will be available uh, for a while yet. Um, so take advantage of that. This is really the only virtual conference that's designed specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education, professional development, and lifelong learning. So if that describes you, which it probably does since you're here on this webinar, um, please do consider joining us uh, for that. We've got a really great program um, this year, and you can check that out again at ltd.leadinglearning.com. And we'll also mention, again, please send in any comments or questions that you have. Looks like we're getting uh, at least a, a few coming in. So we'll get to those in just a minute. But we also encourage you to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. That's a, Those are both places where we share a lot of the, the resources and, and links to um, uh, items, like articles, and, and other things of interest to learning businesses. Um, we curate those and then send those out to followers. So we encourage you to follow Leading Learning um, on both of those uh, platforms, LinkedIn and Twitter. 
great. And so um, we've had uh, John ask here, he says, we, um, this just came to panelists, uh, mostly, we mostly talk about learning businesses geared towards career-related learning areas um, among our followers. Are there education businesses geared towards recreational activities, or is that a whole other sector? So sailing, scuba, general aviation, um, uh, the kinds of things where certifications are, are goals. Uh, we, do, we do have those kinds of followers as well. I mean, we define learning businesses broadly. Um, a lot of folks here I know are going to be from trade and professional associations. We've historically done a lot of work there, so those would be the more career-oriented. Um, but we do uh, work with other types of organizations, uh, training companies, um, university continuing education division. So anybody who's really, you know, creating and marketing adult uh, educational experiences to adult lifelong learners. That's what we do. That's what we think of as the, the learning business. So any, any other comments or, or questions before we finish up here? Looks like I guess some in the QA panel um, and Charu was asked, uh, how are shorter virtual conferences sparing, uh, e.g. Um, two hours conference with multiple short tracks? That's, that's a great question. That's sort of a, a micro virtual <laughs> conference. Uh, that might, yeah. You might have just invented a new genre there, Charu. Uh, I don't have any uh, yeah. data at my fingertips about that, but um, I will say anecdotally, it definitely seems to be uh, a bigger focus on shorter um, yeah rather than, than longer. I know even just in terms of webinars like this, even Jeff and I experimenting today in terms of our traditional length of, of an hour doing about 30 minutes this time. And I know that there are a lot of uh, uh, other organizations that are going shorter for, for webinars. And so I can imagine for kind of a, a virtual conference potentially uh, doing that as well. Yeah, and that's true. Um, Charlie points out that uh, eLearning Guild has been doing something along these lines where it is a, sort of a briefer um, event um, and it's probably something we should look at uh, doing in the coming year as well. And uh, I like that micro virtual conference, uh, NBC, you heard it here first, TTM. Um, and uh, let me see here. Somebody has asked for our Twitter handle. I'll, I'll type it in, but it's just uh, at leading, I'm sorry, at lead learning now is going to be the, uh, the Twitter handle for uh, leading learning. And we look forward to, to seeing you there. Um, we have at least one comment that somebody liked the 30 minute length here, so we don't want to go too much longer. We're at 31 minutes now, so we should, uh, should wrap this up, but, uh, thanks to everybody for joining us. Uh, we will send out an email about this with the, the video and any links that uh, we can come up that uh, will be helpful to you. Um, in the meantime, uh, whatever holidays you may celebrate at this time of year, we certainly wish uh, a happy holidays to, to you and yours and a, and a happy new year. A very trendy 2020 to you all. There you go. So that's our quick take on six learning business trends for 2020. To get the show notes, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 222. And the show notes will include the reflection questions, which are, which of the six trends we discussed for 2020 are most relevant for and most likely to impact your learning business? And are you prepared for their impact and to capitalize on those most relevant to you trends? How might you better prepare? When you check out the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. And we'd be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to get to the right place. Salise and I personally appreciate your rating and review, and reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. 
Finally, please consider following us and sharing the good word about Leading Learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag leading learning on each of those channels. However you do it, please follow us and please help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the leading learning podcast.